This is Engage 2.0. Welcome back to Engage 2.0. I am Brother Edie, and joining me is host. I'm Colin Devoe. And we are in our series, The Law. If you are joining us, we say thank you. And also, we are going to continue in our topic, God's Law in the Old Testament. God's Law in the Old Testament. So, without further ado, we're going to ask Brother Colin to lead us into a word of prayer. Brother Colin. Let us pray. Danny, Father, we thank you for this opportunity where we can study your word. We want to understand clearly the law of God and its purpose. Does it exist before the creation or after the Christ died on the cross? These are the, some of the questions that are put before us. These are some of the questions that people have desired to understand. So we ask you, God, to be with us, to guide us, strengthen us, and help us be a light and even help someone along the way to be encouraged to follow God and see the beauty of being a part of God's house. Let us all be blessed today as we study. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So now we are going to go into our study, God's Law in the Old Testament. There are three kinds of laws mentioned in the Bible. It is important to distinguish the different characteristics of these laws. Otherwise, one could be guilty of using the sacred scriptures in such a way as to bring about his own destruction. You read that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. So, question number one. The three types of law are a civil laws. These were laws which regulated a multitude of things which had to do with the operations of Israel. They had to do with health, sanitation, disease, crime, court proceedings, etc. These are not binding today as civil obligations, although many of these basic principles still apply. B. Ceremonial laws. These were the sanctuary laws which govern the religious services of Israel and which pointed forward to the Messiah. C. Moral law. This is the Ten Commandment law recorded in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17. This law was proclaimed on Mount Sinai, written by God on tablets of stone, and preserved by Israel as the universal law for man. So, um, let us go to question number two, and if we want to discuss um, the first question, you can go into that as well. Did God's moral law exist before Mount Sinai? If so, how can we be sure of this? Let us go to Romans chapter 5 verse 12. That's Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Yeah. It reads, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and dead by sin, and so dead passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. Our first father, Adam, was acquainted with God's law. Otherwise, it could not be said of him that he sinned. 
Paul declares, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Romans 7, 7. That's a very interesting point. Um, also, we know that the Bible um, mentions that the angels sinned, which means that if the angels in heaven had sinned, then there had to have been a law that governed them. Um, we can find that in 2 Peter 2 verse 4, uh, and it states, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment. So we find that um, if the angels had sinned, as Adam had sinned, there had to have been a law before the um, Adam and the world was created. And then the same law that governed the angels in heaven also governed um, Adam in the, in, an, in the unfallen state he was in. So we know that God's laws, um, even though we found in 2 Peter 2.4 was broken by the angels, it did not uh, abolish God's law when he created Adam in this world. And because of that, we, we can know for certainty that those laws must still be binding today. Um, Jesus said it best in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let's just turn there quickly. Matthew chapter 5. And I will read from verse 17 and 18. It says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So um, verse 18 says, For very, very I say unto you, Tell heaven and earth pass not one jot, all one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So we find that even living in the world in which we live today, where there's so much violence and crime, it doesn't do away with God's law because we find that Adam sinned, the law still exists. The angels sinned, the law still exists. And we find that Christ says, I didn't come to do away with my father's laws, which tells us that that law is still in play. Amen, buddy. And so much has come out of this first two question um i had a question as you were reading the first question and they were the a b and c um in the category of the civil law um what would you said the health law is also a part of the civil law yeah um there were laws that were governing health as well and um and you go back into um studying from exodus um and go forward you find that there were laws that were put in place for health and sanitation and their well-being uh, physical, mental, and the spiritual health of the individual. So those laws, um, like circumcision, even though it's not something that is um, required of us today, or, um, but we find that there's good health principles um, in doing it. Um, so, go ahead. So you would say that the civil the law and dealing with the civil law and under the health, would that be still binding today or are you saying that it's not binding because you know we have a lot of people still they love eating their meat they love eating um their conch they like eating the red meat these things um is it these laws still apply or is um are they done away with as well um well the scripture would put it like this for um okay let's let's go to um Acts chapter 10. And here we find that uh, one of the health principles came into play. Uh, and we know that even though 
these laws were given to Israel, um, the principles of it still in play as opposed of the strictness that attended these laws in those days. And I think that um, for those who practice those, you they have a better um, they have they have a better life when you practice these things. Um, Acts chapter ten, and from verse eleven, we we see here that Peter here is having a vision, and um, God sends Peter a vision. And from verse eleven, Acts chapter ten, it says, and and saw heaven open and a certain uh, vessel descending unto him, as it had had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and led down to the earth, wherein were were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So here now, Peter um, says in this vision, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And this is going back to um, Leviticus, where chapter 11, where God is telling or God is instructing Israel what not to eat and how to eat it. You find things like don't eat blood, which we know that that was still carried throughout um, their, um, their religious learning. We find that they were not eating any um, blood and all these other things. So we know that the principles that they, they kept, even though they, they were still eating flesh, because Peter does eat fish, you know, Jesus ate fish. But there were laws governing the way they did things. And today, um, that hasn't, for the most part, um, I think for the large part, is not done. However, for those who do carry out those strict laws, like I said, you find yourself having a better lifestyle, having um, you, your body feels a little um, better, your, your mind is clearer. So even though these things are not binding uh, in terms of um, the Jews as a people, when you practice these things, um, the lifestyle actually get you feel way better. You think clearer than persons who don't practice these things, and you probably live a little longer than for those who don't uh, practice those things. But as it stated, it says um, it's it's a health principle that still applies, even though the claims upon the people is not there. Okay, so that that's I think what they're implying uh, when they state that. So, so you are saying that it still apply? Is it still apply to God's spiritual um, Israel today? Yeah, um, if you keep that's the question. if if you keep in mind that um, the one of the principles, especially as it related to health and the eating of flesh, it was never God's intentions. That when you study Scripture carefully, you find that. Um, through the mixed multitude traveling from Egypt to Canaan, there was a uh, remembrance of the things that were done in Egypt. And one of the things was eating flesh. <laughs> you know? So um, that was never God's design. But however, God permitted that to happen to, um, to shorten the lives of the sinful race. And that's what we find even in the mummies that they find in these um, tombs that they're dying from similar diseases that we're dying from today. Heart disease and, and hypertension and, and all these other diseases that we find ourselves, they find themselves having the same problem. 
and this is um, the ancient Egypt, which tells us that as long as we still have the same dietary problem um, habits, we're going to follow with the same diseases. So it's just interesting to note that um, God has a better way for his people to live. And when we go by his plan, we find that we, we have a better um, lifestyle. Amen. Um, I, I, that's, that's the point I want to bring out. Um, the point I want to bring out is that we tend to walk away from it. But the uh, health law is still, I mean, it's not a law inside the books of man. But it's still a law that God asks us to live by for our own benefit. And also help us to be peculiar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as children of God. It, we are the ones supposed to be leading out and helping our people to go stronger and closer to God by living by the standard that the Bible have outlined from the very beginning of creation. Um, there's another one you brought it. I think it's the Jewishition part of it also. Um, I don't know if you said it. Yes, I wanted to highlight that too and in this regard. And I'm going to, because that part, this, most of the civil laws, even though the Israelite civil laws is not binding today, we still carry out a lot of those civil laws in our society. And why I'm highlighting that is because we are still to be our brother's keeper. And that's right. one of the things. Love thy neighbor, that's what you love thyself. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that the civil law highlight. And that's where Romans chapter 7, verse 7 highlight the most. It says, what then, what then, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law has said, Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. And these are some of the things that are still in our civil laws that we should follow. Um, even though we're not following the Israelite civil law of the past, there are still civil laws in our society that we, as Christians, as believers of God, we are ought to obey. Right, and and when you look at the last one, uh, which was moral law, we find that God's Ten Commandments covers those civil laws. And we look at thou shalt not... In fact, we're going to go into that in question number three. But you're going to see how, how it covers uh, the very laws that governs us as a people in some nations and countries. And um, it when we follow these things, there's a better, productive, peaceful way that one can live. And so when, you, when you go against that that uh, standard that the government has set up um sometimes you run into problems and i said that to say sometimes government may set up laws that go against god's laws and those laws are the ones that we rather uh think twice about because um the bible teaches us it's better to obey god rather than men so but as long as the laws of the land doesn't uh, negate or trump or do away with the obligations to God, then I by all means follow the laws of the land as best as you are able. Um, so let us go into question, which is our final question, question number three. The Ten Commandments as they existed before Mount Sinai. So we're going to look at the commandments before Mount Sinai because a lot of people believe, well, you know, that's for the Jews, you know. But we're going to see that um, for one, when the laws were given, uh, especially um, those that govern heaven, there were no Jews. The very law that Adam broke, um, he was the beginning of the race. So there, there were no Jews, but yet he broke law according to scripture. So 
let's see and find out exactly if we can categorize the Ten Commandments before Mount Sinai. Let's look at the first one. The first commandment, which had to do with thou shalt have no other gods before God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35, verses 2 to 4. Genesis 35, verses 2 to 4. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange God that are among you, and be, and be clean, and change your garment. And let us arise, and go up to battle, and I will make thee an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hands, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shem. Notice now, it's, it's talking away. Verse 2 makes it very clear that they are putting away the strange gods. Th this was an, an idol. And here verse 3 tells us that, And they went to go to Bethel and to make an altar unto God. Right? So if you're looking at the, the Bible, you'll find that God there is in, in cap. Right? Whereas in verse 2, the God is in uh, small characters. So we find that these strange gods that they had upon them, Jacob told them to get rid of these things. And um, there's another text we can read. Um, Joshua chapter 24, verse, verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. So we, we can see that um, there was an understanding that there was a true God, and there were false gods. Uh, and... Um, it's just amazing to see that it's not uh, thou shall not. But we find the same principle as Joshua spoke, as Jacob spoke. And um, it's just amazing um, to see that these things are traced before, that commandment is traced before it was actually given at, to Moses on Mount Sinai. I think one of the things that's highlighted in uh, this whole scenario of God and worship is that we are creatures that worship mm -hmm. and the, I think it's in Ecclesiastes if I remember say the whole duty of man what it is Ecclesiastes yeah Ecclesiastes 12 13 and 14 yes and we have we have and us we have the insiders already the ability or the tendency to worship so when we take away from the worship of the true God yeah, then we have to replace it with some other type of worship. And two things was highlighted there. One, the worship of earrings, the mm. worship of gold, mm. the worship of... Um, jewelry. Mm. Jewelry. That's basically what, they, what have, they were. Exactly. And we saw it happen twice. We saw it with the golden calf. Mm -hmm. And we always find ourselves that we need to worship something. Why is this? Why is this tendency put inside man? And the only thing that comes to mind is that... We belong to someone. Mm -hmm. And when we try to break away from that person we belong to, we try to replace that void that is in us to go back to that person. So we try to replace that person with something else. Mm. And guess what happened? We stand up to put 
a different god, a god, and we think that these days that we start to worship the Judas, we're not really worshiping them. We are start to worship ourselves. Mm. We are trying to become God. Wow. And it can never happen. I, I'm just, that's just something that I want us to think about because even though we create these things and we make these things, it is still of our hands. Mm-hmm. Like, right. um, like the psalmist David said, we worship the, the we worship things that one cannot see. We worship things that cannot hear, that cannot smell. We worship the things, the creatures of our hands. So we are actually um ourselves when we start to worship these things. Mm-hmm. So we have to realize that we are placing a god that we created of ourselves. So what are mm-hmm. we doing? We are creating an image of ourselves. Mm. So the god of self, and that's why the Bible always says we have to what die to who self. Die to self. Then we start to uplift who the one and true God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our second commandment. Uh, which says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. So that says, The second commandment, which forbids image worship, we can read Genesis chapter 31, 19 through 34. I'll take that one. And it says, And Laban went to share his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had and rose up and passed over the river and set his face towards the Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days journey. And they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives, taken with the sword. Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly, and steal away from me, and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabret and with harp, and hast not suffered to kiss my sons and my daughters? Thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou saw longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? (laughs) <laughs> so he has images that were stolen and Jacob answered and said to Laban because I was afraid for I said peradventure thou wouldest take by force thy daughters from me with whomsoever thou findest thy gods let him not live before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me and take it to thee for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them 
And Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the two maidservants' tent, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent, and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images, and put them in the camel's furniture, and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. So we find that these gods, that they, they should have not been uh, with in the first place. Here Jacob had, um, Jacob's um, wife, Leah, um, Rachel, sorry, has the, has the images. And Jacob, not knowing what had happened, says, man, whoever you find your stuff in, you can take their life, man. You know, but I wonder if he knew, <laughs> if he had only knew what he had made that statement. <laughs> I guess not, because um, this is, you go back again. I ask myself all the time, you know, this is a question that stays in my mind. Why do we worship idols? What is the real purpose of worship? Why do men create idols? Do you ever think about that? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because, you know, it's, it, you can go into that not knowing that you're creating an idol. Because um, some persons, their wives can become idols. Um, wives, their husbands or children. Um, you, you find that they do so well at school. Their trophies are all over the place, you know, and they're, they're worshiping their child, bumper stickers on your car, you know, and all these other things. We, we, we do things, but don't really know what, exactly what we're doing because the Bible says, if God be lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, I will draw a man unto me. So it, sometimes we can uh, put things in places where they ought not be and then unknowingly become idols. And, you know, I, I had a saying that anything you spend more time with becomes your God. It's because we spend more time with things than we do with God. You know, we go to church for a few hours and we think we did God of service. You understand? And then right after you come out of church, you, you go the rest of the uh, six days of the week living like the devil. You know, and then we come to church, you know, give God a little bit of our dime and attention. And then we think we did him a favor. You know, Sometimes we make things idols and we just don't know. And I remember one um, one um, um, program I saw years ago and he was talking about idol worship and the way he described it and the videos that he showed, they showed persons who were living um, like like nomads and barbarians and, and tribal people. And then he, 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 he rewind or, or went backwards into what he said because he says, you don't relate to it, do you? And then he started to show the sports and persons out in the cold with no shirts on, with painted faces with their favorite teams and all these other things and all the things that they do to get gear up for these events. And it showed clearly that idol worship hasn't gone anywhere. It just took a new phase and a new face, but it's still here. And we, are, we don't know. We don't know because we are so far removed of what we think these idols can be or... or or what they are, because we don't make any quote-unquote graven images uh, like they did back in those days. We think that, oh, well, you know, I don't worship my chain, or I don't worship my money, or I don't worship my wife. But if anything takes a precedence over God, and doing what God says, it becomes an idol. So, Brother Edie, and I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, I'm just spreading the talk, because one of the things that we tend to drift away from, we don't realize how easy it is that we can create an idol unto ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Take a mirror. Person spends most time looking in the mirror. What they're doing? That's you see. You see stuff like Facebook <laughs> and and Snapchat and all these other things. There are persons who got selfies, 
You know, they're full ah. of themselves. You know, they're full of themselves. And, and they're creating an idol to themselves. Mm. Now, I ask that question for one reason, one reason only. In all cases, and I, if, I think you remember the story, but in Acts, with the guys that were making these um, idols. Mm-hmm. And Diana. the moment that Peter, he, Diana, when the moment they healed the lady who's going around prophesying, it's just the true God, what they did, they wanted to kill them. Why? Because they were losing profit. Mm-hmm. So, idols have a couple things that it does. One, control. Men and Satan uses idols to control men, to get a certain behavior, to get a certain um, response from the human family. That's what idol does. Um, and we like to walk around it, but the whole goal of an idol is to get control of you. And that's how Satan manipulates the human mind. You can be making an idol yourself. You will become a god. Because you what? You worship yourself. A person who spends more time in the community, what are they doing? They are worshiping themselves. A person who wears makeup and starts putting their jewelry on their face, guess what they're doing? They're creating an idol of themselves. Yeah, an image. Mm. An image unto themselves. And mm. we see that there are images inside the, in churches. Images of, do you know that we can actually make Jesus an idol? Yeah, especially when you like tell us these, not to do. <laughs> exactly. When you put these images of God, and guess what? We don't even know what the real true God, image of God is. No. But yet we have these idols set up saying this is Jesus. Mm. Another person a couple of months back asked me, say, you worship a white Jesus. I told him, say, you have made an idol of a Jesus. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I never, we don't know the true color of Jesus in our day and time. And there's a reason for that. Because God don't want us to be caught up and the youth says, and the color by the racial arguments, that's not necessary. Our salvation is not based on these things. Our salvation is based in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You are making an idol unto yourself. You know, and I'm glad you brought that point. Not to belabor it, but, you know, if a white man offered you a million dollars, no strings attached, um, would you take it? <laughs> exactly. if, if, a black man, exactly. if a black man offered you a million dollars, no strings attached, would you take it? Amen. It's not what you know, it's not what they are. It's what they have to offer, and this is what Jesus uh, has. Jesus has something to offer, and it doesn't matter his color. If any man rather take my death penalty upon himself and gives me freedom and everlasting life, I'll take it. <laughs> you understand? Amen. Amen. So that should be and our stance. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the worship of Jesus is what Satan is trying to take away from us. He wants to replace God and the beloved Son with an image of Him. Bottom line, you can create all the idols, you can create an idol unto yourself. The bottom line, Jesus Satan is trying to take away the worship of God and bring it unto him. And he does it by any means necessary. Whether you're worshiping the gold, whether you're worshiping the car, whether you're worshiping these demigods or human beings who are sport athletes or figures or singers and recording stars, you are creating an image. Whether you're worshiping yourself, as long as you are not worshiping the true God, you are now worshiping Satan. Mm. And that's all he's trying to do. And he used any form and method to get you on that side. And that's why when you read Genesis chapter 35, 1 to 4, it's so important. It says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go unto battle, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto who? God. Mm-hmm. The true worship belongs to who? God. Mm-hmm. That appeared unto thee when thou fedest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his soul, 
and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That means that anything that replaces the worship of who? The true the God. The true and living God. The true and living God. And he said, put away the strange gods from among you, and be what? Be thou clean, and change your garments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. So let's look at our third commandment now. Thou shalt not uh, take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So it says, the third commandment forbids disrespect for God. So let's look at Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. And it says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And you know, um, it's so amazing that we know that nations keep records of things that go down or should keep records of things that go down. And here is a, here is a Pharaoh who comes off the scene after Joseph's time in Egypt. And we know that Joseph was second to Pharaoh uh, in his day. And um, mm -hmm. there would have been a record of a famine, uh, a record of the time when the, the, the seven years of plenty, they had food to distribute and what was going in and what was coming out. We would have a record of who was Pharaoh at the time and who all was uh, appointed in that particular time. So we would have information, all that. It's just funny that this Pharaoh have no clue who that is. And so here now, when, when God sends his messenger, his mouthpiece, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, that they could worship the true God, because this, this is how the showdown happened. If you go back into Exodus, you find that God wants his people to worship him. And every time there were restrictions, it's sort of like today, <laughs> kind of think of it. So you had restrictions, you know, you could go and then come back at a certain time and this could go out, but not this certain set of people and not, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, wow, it's kind of amazing that that come out like that. But nonetheless, um, this Pharaoh puts restrictions on who can go and what can go and come back. You had, you had got to be back before sunset, you know, before curfew, you understand? So here, um, at a particular point, um, they are taking their Sabbath, their, their Sabbatismos, their rest, and um, Pharaoh thinking that they're too idle. And so he makes their work a little stringent. And um, the cry of the people goes unto God. And, and God says, you know what, um, Moses, you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, of course, I'm, um, I'm putting more upon the story, but I need you to get the gist of it. You can go back and read it from Exodus chapter 1. And, and you find that he has no record. No clue who this God is who's sending this message to him. And so God shows up and Moses started to do some miracles. So, uh, and then, of course, Pharaoh and his, his magicians start to duplicate some of the things. And then it intensifies. And then the, the magicians be like, listen, this, this fellow's a snare us, man. You, you need to let him go. You understand? But here, the point is the third commandment that says, don't take God's name in vain. And we find that this commandment is so abused in this world um, till we even have an, abbrevi an abbreviation of, of it, OMG. You know, it, there, we carry God's name so loosely um, back in the days of, of, of Abraham and, 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 the, and the Jews, the Israelites. The name of God was so sacred, they literally didn't want to say it. It ended up being Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. This is how sacred it was. They, they didn't even want to pronounce it because to call it wrong or to call it in the act of disrespect was something big with them. But nowadays, you know, we don't care. You know, we, we curse and we use 
God and all kind of derogatory form and fashion and it's something cute. And and we do not know that these things um they they cause our character to be so darkened. And Satan knows it, that's why he have us doing these things, because he know God doesn't delight in it. You know? You we don't like when we when people calling our, our people's name in their mouths, they say, don't call my name like that, and don't talk about my mama and don't talk about my daddy. But yet we could talk about God and we could call God on any kind of how we could watch movies that defile it, that, that cusses and swear with the word God and Christ and all these other things. We have no problem with it. Cartoons nowadays, they come out in there, and you know, like the South Park and, and, and American Dad and all these other, all these derogatory shows out there. They come out and they use these things and we find it cute because it's cartoon, right? But they're taking God's name in vain. And God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And we find that it's established here before Mount Sinai. Um, Brother Edie, I'm going to take it a little step further. And I, there's a reason why. Because a lot of us, and I like the way you address that, so I'm not going to go too into depth in that part of it. But I'm going to take another another avenue, I call it um, Section B. And, you know, Job actually nailed it to the point that I, what I want to discuss. So I'm going to read Job, and I, I want you to listen closely. What Job says, Job chapter, this is Job 21, verse 7, 14, and 15. And I'm going to take my time because I really, really want you to get this. It says, wherefore do, wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power. Okay, that's the wicked. It goes on in verse 14, say, therefore they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy way. Mm. What is the mighty God that we should serve him? And what is the mighty, what is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit shall we have if we pray unto him? You know, Pharaoh said the same thing you just said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, when God was in the, on top of the mountain, what did God say his name was? The Lord God, wonderful mercy. Merciful. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, let's go back to verse 14. Something came out there that I don't want us to miss in. Because sometimes people think the literal or the name just saying the name God or saying Yahshua and all that, etc. Mm -hmm. is the name that is proclaimed. But do you ever just said the name that was proclaimed by Moses and that when he's on top of the, the God merciful, the God long-suffering, the wonderful con... Listen to this again. Verse 14 says, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us. You see what they say? Mm -hmm. Depart from us. Why did they ask God to depart from For we desire not the knowledge of thy way. Mm -hmm. Why am I highlighting this? You see, when you live for God, you are proclaiming the name of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see, people like to say, Oh, this is like that. See, God says, I desire that their inward heart be changed. And guess what he said that? And that what? You be willing and obedient to him. Obedience means that to live for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you live in for the Lord, guess what you are taking on? You are now proclaiming the name of God. How? By living by, for God. And guess what it called? In James it says, what? Faith and works, what? Works together. Mm -hmm. So when you have that faith, and when you believe in God, first what? You started proclaiming God's name. How? 
by the works, your deed, your lifestyle, the way you interact with one another, when you love your brother, when you love your sister. This is the name of God. Mm-hmm. When you take on these attributes and when you start proclaiming these things, you're now proclaiming the true God name. Let me read it in. Guess what God? Let me let me let me let me, let me let me read it in. Uh, you can finish explaining. Exodus chapter 34, 5 through 7 says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So now the Lord is going to proclaim the name, uh, his yes. name. And verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. So we find that that's what God said his name was. So God's name is what? His character. Mm-hmm. There's characters. So when you take the name of, when you say you are a Christian, you are proclaiming the name of God. And how do you proclaim the, God, the name of God? By living his character by living his by living living for God by his proclaiming his character through the fruits of the spirit. Mm. And, and this is what people face. You see, a lot of people like to go out and say, I am Jehovah Witness, I am the the claiming the name of Yahshua, all these other things, but yet they're not living the name of God. Mm-hmm. The name mm-hmm. of God is proclaimed and stands out when you live God's live by his wonderful what his characteristics and mm-hmm. fruits of the spirit that's when you proclaim the name of god right. there's no other way and so we find that the third commandment can be found before mount sinai and this is what this is highlighting that we can find these principles of these laws before mount sinai when they were actually codified or written down by god's finger so we're gonna look at the fourth commandment and it says the fourth commandment had to do with God's Sabbath. Okay, so we're going to look at the Sabbath now. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. All right, and it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he, God, rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he, God, had made. And God Bless the seventh day and sanctify it because in it he had rested from all his work which he created and made. So we find, yet again, um, before the Sabbath commandment, remember the Sabbath day, we find before sin, God had finished his work and he blessed not the first day, not the second day, not the sixth day, but the seventh day. And he rested and blessed it and sanctified it according to verse 3. And verse 4 tells us that these were the generations of the heaven and the earth. In other words, this is the beginning of the cycle in which we now live in. And so from that time, from creation till, t- till today, we have the same seven-day cycle, which scientists can't explain why. <laughs> we just have it. There's no logical reason for a seven-day. We know how we get one full year. We know we get one full day, but we don't know we get seven days. And that's something that they will never find out. Simply why? Because God had spoken it. And that's why it exists. 
So we find that this law of the seventh day Sabbath is not something that was given to the Jews. It was something that was carried out of the garden when Adam and Eve were expelled from it. And they carried that principle of that seventh day cycle, keeping that day holy based on what they saw was done in the beginning with their father creator, God. Amen. Amen. Yes, and um, so much has come out of there. Um, this fourth commandment, not only this is in the heart of all of the Ten Commandments of God's moral law. And I just was saying to you just now, we're taking God's evening. This is the one command that God seals his whole name, his territory, and also his position. Mm-hmm. Um I want to highlight something here because God, this commandment is so important that God wants us to remember. He didn't want us to forget it. And he used so many ways to, for us to remember that. And one of those ways he used was in Exodus chapter 16, verse 22 to 29. And he said, And it came to pass, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omens for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord had said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Make that which he may break today, and seize that he will see it. And that which, and that which remained over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning as Moses bed, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today he shall not find it in the field. Six days he shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there was, and, and it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore. He given you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide he every man in his place. Let no man go of his place on the seventh day. Two, a lot of things came out there, and that's that one text. One of the things that came out that God is the creator of what? The heavens and the earth. God is the creator of man. God is also the creator of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we keep the work going. They can go on and on. And we like to say, oh, we don't know which day is the Sabbath, which day is this. Let me explain to you. The author and creator of the world is also the author and creator of time. Amen. He set the 24-hour cycle. He set the hour cycle. He set the second cycle. And he also set the day cycle, the mm-hmm. weekly cycle, the monthly cycle. He put all these in place to glorify him. That's right. And at the end of the sixth day, God said, you can get as much bread every day you go get bread. But on the sixth day, you can get twice as much for your whole soul. And you can storage up. All before that, you could not storage up no bread. Why did God go on to all that? Because it was significant to let you know on the seventh day that he is the one who has created time, he has created world, the earth and the heavens, and he has created everything that is in it. And not only that, he wanted you to come and be born with him on the seventh day. So he said, rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this rest is not just a physical rest. This is a rest of reflection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. This rest is, is also is a rest 
of bonding with your family, and more importantly, of learning from the one and only true God who has created the world, the wonders of his majesty. And yet, we want to break away from that. From We want to do our own thing. But yet we say we're going to bond with God and God is not even there on that day because we denied what God has said. You know, it's amazing. You know, it's um, we're going to have to conclude here and pick up um, with the fifth commandment. And um, in our next podcast, uh, we don't want this to be too lengthy, but the point has to be established that we can find that God had spoken before he went to Mount Sinai to give these laws. And we just need you guys to be aware of that. So please go back over the material. If you need further information, we'll give you all our contacts. And feel free to contact us uh, if you have questions on any of these points. We want you to continue to keep us in prayer as we pray for you out there. And we're going to um, ask Brother Colin to send us out with a word of prayer as we wrap up here for this session. And God's willing, we'll be back to conclude this study. Brother Colin. Dear God, we just have so much to learn, so much to understand. And as we study the Word, we feel more empowered and more encouraged. But we pray that those out there who are listening and here on our podcast, that they themselves will make a decision for you and see the wonders and the majesty and the glorify you who have created the heavens and the earth. To see that the Word of God is true. Amen. Let us take heed. Let us learn. Let us come to worship the one who has saved us, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has created us, the one who has given all that we may have life more abundantly. We thank you, God. We ask you that you forgive us of our sins and your mercy be within our hearts. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So for those who want to hear this podcast, you can do so at Anchor. And also, you can type in Heart to Heart 242. You should find us under that heading. Also, if you want to view this podcast um, visually and without or view any other of our programs, you can go to our YouTube channel, type into the search engine Heart to Heart 242. You'll find all of our content. Please subscribe to our channel and click on the bell icon so you don't miss any more of our future uploads. Also, if you like the content, give it a thumbs up and share it. Also, we are on Facebook and Twitter. So, for myself, Brother Edie, and for my host, Brother Colin, we say until next time, Maranatha.